0: Chumba no 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to the Having It All podcast, the show about what it takes to live an abundant, loving life. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I'm helping you get out of your head so that you can truly have it all. Let's do it. What's up, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. Matthew Bivens here, and I am thrilled to have you here hanging out with me today. And today, I have a super cool conversation to bring you. You know I don't do these often, but when I do, they're always jam-packed with goodness. And for today, I've got my buddy, Alex Grodnick, on the show, and we are talking about something that was pretty new to me until recently, and that's rejection therapy. So Alex's background is that he went to school and was on the path for that Wall Street, big baller status type of success. And he did that for a number of years. You know, he, he worked uh, at a big bank in Wall Street and made tons of money, worked a bunch of hours and did all that stuff. And then at some point he recognized that he was not in alignment with his true authentic self. So he went back to school to dig into some of his passions, and really to explore entrepreneurship. And it was while he was at school and thinking about entrepreneurship that he recognized that he had some fears, some big fears about taking that plunge. And so in one of his business school classes, he was introduced to this idea of rejection therapy, which is pretty much what it sounds like. It is intentionally seeking out rejection every day, so that you can desensitize yourself to the fear of being rejected. And Alex heard about it, learned about it, and dove in headfirst. And for 30 days, he sought rejection. So I brought him on the show with me today because his story is super interesting, and the things that he did are equally as interesting, but what I really love is what has happened as a result of him seeking out all this rejection. So I know you're going to really love this conversation and that, man, if you are feeling anxious just thinking about it, if the idea of you, you know, going up to a stranger and asking if you can borrow 10 bucks just scares the crap out of you, then you definitely want to tune in because there are some huge growth and healing opportunities present for you. All right, no more talking from me. Let's jump right into my conversation with Alex Grodnick about rejection therapy. So... I have been very excited, honestly, to talk to you about this stuff, about um, what you did with the rejection therapy ever since we first talked about it a number of weeks ago. Because, I mean, I had heard about people doing this and thinking about doing it myself just scared me, you know, because it's rejection and all of that. Um, so the fact that you really dove in head first and, and, and applied yourself and, and went through it and learned so much... I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to pick your brain. So, um that's what I want to get into. So, why don't you just kind of share a little bit about your life around the time like before you you started to apply this rejection therapy. Just talk to me about what was going on with you.
1: Yeah, happy to. So, I was I'm a born entrepreneur. I was the lemonade stand kid, car wash kid, selling junk door-to-door, whatever it was, that was me. And then in college, I kind of got away from from that path that I was always supposed to be on. And I got caught up in these prestigious jobs, chasing, trying to get a job on Wall Street and investment banking. And I did that. And, you know, it was cool. It was a good experience working these hundred hour weeks as an analyst. And um, But as I was doing it, I realized, okay, fine, I've got a good skill set now, but still, this isn't quite right for me. I don't Know what is right for me, uh, and so I went to business school, and in business school, this is where I was able to refocus on this path of becoming an entrepreneur, which was clearly what I was always meant to be doing um, and that's when I started seeking out rejection and I'm happy that you brought it up, Matthew, because you know everyone, every human is afraid of rejection it's just how our brains are programmed. But just like any other fear, you can desensitize yourself to it. You know, if you're afraid of germs, slowly, every day you can put your hands on something dirty, you know, a railway on a on a set of stairs or something. Uh, and over a few days, a few weeks, you're not going to be afraid. You're, you're still going to be alive. You're not going to be sick. You're, you're going to realize that, okay, maybe germs aren't so bad. Well, rejection is essentially the same thing. You can expose yourself to it and desensitize yourself to being afraid.
2: So what, what was it about business school? Was it a class or a professor or something? Like, where did that idea first first come to you?
1: Yeah. So business school kind of has three pillars and classroom learning is one of them. Uh having meeting people and networking is is definitely another one. And then just having incredible experiences with this these, this group of people that you meet. Those are kind of the three main reasons people go to business school. And obviously, to all that culminates in getting a better job on, on the way out. Uh, but for me, I think the most impactful moment happened in a classroom, which – isn't the case for most people. You know, a lot of business schools don't even have grade disclosure. So it's, it's really not about what you learn in the classroom. It's really about what you learn outside of it, but it's it's still school. So there's, there's still classes. Uh, and I was taking a class on some type of leadership, public speaking kind of, kind of thing. And in the class, the professor had us write down times when we felt like we were being our most authentic selves. And Fine. So and he defined authentic self as feeling like you're firing on all cylinders, using all of your facilities and, and really your authentic self. So fine, I wrote down a few times. And as I'm looking at these times, every single one of them was when I was doing something entrepreneurial. I was, you know, starting a business, I was doing all these things that I did in my earlier life, and I was like, man, why am I so far from this now, and like entrepreneurship just scares me. I don't, I don't know how to start a business. I know how to go get these prestigious jobs and work long hours. Like, I've made that my comfort and my familiar, my familiarity. But on the flip side, what I was meant to do of starting businesses that seems scary. And so I said, okay, how can I just start taking baby steps uh, and start not being afraid of going, moving forward, starting a business? And that's how I came to rejection therapy and. Really, you can start off really, really small. It's asking someone for a discount on your sandwich or asking someone for a stick of gum or a high five or to take a picture with you. And those things in the beginning are hard. It's still hard. It's hard to ask anyone for anything. But as you build up and you build up slowly over time, I mean, not even a long time, I'm talking about days, uh, you all of a sudden start to realize that there's really nothing to be afraid of. People people want to say yes to you. So there's some unintended side effects of seeking out no. And one of them is that you see that people are really good. People want to be there for you. They want to help you when they can, they're going to do that. Uh, And so that's one of them, which which is pretty cool.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: So, you were, you know, I, I hear that the whole entrepreneurial thing started to scare you in business school, and that fear came up. So, like, wh- talk to me a little bit about what that fear was, because you, you know, the fear can be faced with the rejection therapy, but what really was going on that was, you know causing that that those feelings to come up in you that you wanted to then confront what was underneath it
1: yeah it's you know I had I had had some pretty good success in my life so far and I was on a, a pretty cool path um albeit a path that I don't I know wasn't right for me so that's where humans have this hard time letting go of the past and moving forward uh you know like I had success I was making money people valued my skill sets i could get jobs in that investment banking, corporate development type fields, things were going along okay. So in order to shake it up and go after what I really knew that I had to go after and make no money and give up all that prestige, that's a hard thing to do. And I knew it was right. I still know it's right. I'm on that path now. I'm still making you know very very little money. I gave up making lots and lots of money so it's it's a tough thing to do but in the, the long term, I know that it's right and I just have confidence in myself that it will pay off so
2: what was the scariest possible outcome in your mind?
1: Your mind it's funny it I think it it over complicates it over exaggerates how good things can be and how bad things can be. You know, my life now, my wife, I'm very fortunate. She still has a great job. You know, I have an MBA and I can always go fall back on on these, on the skill sets that I, people, other companies value. And I can probably always go get one of those jobs. So I'm like, I would concoct in my head that, oh, I'm going to become homeless. My wife's going to leave me. My family's going to desert me. Honestly, Matthew, none of those things. I've been an entrepreneur now for about 18 months. None of those things are anywhere near remotely happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, my life is still really good. Uh, you know, we figure out our finances, um, but y- you, the, the same thing on the, on the upside too, you know, everyone um, over glamorizes what it's like to become a successful founder and like get a startup off the ground and raise venture capital for it. And then, you know, take that through an acquisition and sell it. And it's like, that's just another way to to make a living. It's not, Gonna change your life. You're still gonna have the same issues inside of your head and the still wants and desires. And so it's our brains are funny like that. So it's it's just tough to focus in and try to ultimately solve for what's gonna make you happy on a day day to day basis. And for me, investment banking didn't do that. The path I'm on now does do that. Even though I make very little money, I'm finding fulfillment in so many other ways. And I do feel like I'm my authentic self so many instances during the day, whereas I never felt like that while I was working for JP Morgan or Houlihan Loki or, you know, any of these banks.
2: That's a powerful lesson and, and podcast topic all in of itself, right? This idea of, you know, going down the path that gets you those, the stuff, the bank account, all of that, and then realizing that that just doesn't do it for you and choosing something else, which, you know, you don't you don't, get the 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 same type of results but you just feel more fulfilled. I mean, we could we could go down there forever, but um I want to I want to circle back and so all right, you were in business school, you were presented with these entrepreneurial ideas, but then that that fear kicked in and you were saying to yourself, "Boy, if I go down this path, if I try to start this business, I might fail." And if I fail, then boom, there's the bullet list of all the things that could happen, you know, you're homeless, your wife leaves you, you become destitute, all of that stuff. So then for you, rejection therapy was a way for you to just combat those fears. And you were like, I'm jump, jumping into this thing because if I succeed, if I go through this, then I'm going to come out the other side just feeling like nothing can stop me. Is that sort of the mental process?
1: You know, Matthew, I, I think it was, it was just a way for me to, to gain confidence in myself and realize that whatever I want to do, I can do if i want to go get a job working for someone i can do that if i want to start my own business and go out on, and go out on myself and take the entrepreneurial path i can do that as well and so what rejection therapy did was i mentioned the side effect of seeing you know the human race in a better light people wanting to help you but really what it does is it provides a ton of confidence for you and whatever and however you want to utilize that you can because now it's there, it's authentic, you've earned it, and you can tap into it and start doing what you want. And that's when I gained confidence in myself. And I started figuring out ways to be entrepreneurial. And I started a podcasting business. And then I joined a company where we're building a fintech payments app. And then I started uh, another little consulting business. And it's just all of these things kind of lead up to making me the man that I want to be. And I'm feeling, as I said, I'm feeling fulfilled and I'm feeling gracious and, and awesome. And it's just every day is, is super cool. And I'm learning a lot. And I mean, I'm talking about, I'm glamorizing it. Obviously it's very tough, not making very much money. And it's, very tough when you're in the weeds of all of this, trying to build businesses and get them off the ground, build something from nothing. I mean, that's difficult. So when I speak on a podcast like this, when I'm speaking with you, it's easier to step back and look at it from a few thousand feet above it and say, "Oh, yeah, look at what I've learned and look what I've accomplished now, But I'm telling you day to day, it's tough. And having that mindfulness that I'm doing the right thing, that this is what I'm meant to be doing that I'm learning, that I'm progressing, that I'm meeting new people, that I'm expanding my network, that when I have the resolve that I'm on the right path, that certainly helps.
2: I love that. That's awesome. I like how you talked about how, you know, kind of putting yourself out there to be rejected helped build your confidence. And then you can go and do whatever you want with that. Because I know there's so many people out there who, you know, have been like me and like what it sounds like you were, you know, where that confidence was just, was shaken. It was low. And so they can use this tool to to uh, to boost that. So I want to take a little bit of a tangent because I'm curious. Um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and so I totally, totally vibe with you know you can you can glamorize everything and talk about how great it is that you're pursuing your passion, but the reality of a lot of that is is hard. <laughs> it's challenging and it's scary and all of that so just you know, I'm curious. What's what's the big challenge right now that's um, that's keeping you up at night?
1: So, the podcasting business, the consulting business, those companies are they're 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 pretty good right now. They don't have a ton of scalability inside of them. It's kind of like how much I put into them is how much I get out of them. The payments business that we're building, we built it. We're building the first group debit card. So I think if you had to collect money from 20 people right now, that's a hard thing to do. Our app and our group debit card provide end-to-end transparency. So you can see everyone who's paid into it, and then you can see where the money is going. So it's like you're collecting $100 from 12 guys for fantasy football. Now everyone can see who's paid, who hasn't paid, where that money is sitting, and then what happens on the on the spending side. And This business has a ton of scalability. I mean, we're going after the world. We're trying to raise venture financing, trying to become essentially the Venmo for groups. And that's tough. That is a a whole nother set of problems and set of skill sets required to do something like that. But it really, Matthew, my day-to-day learning on that is so incredible. And I I think the coolest part of it is is the, the startup ecosystem you know, I mentioned I worked in investment banking before this and kind of entertainment investment banking for film studios and digital media companies, that sort of thing. And I can tell you then that if I cold emailed someone that I looked up to and I said, hey, so-and-so, I, here's who I am. I'm super interested in who you are and how you got to where you are. I'd love to grab a coffee. Can we do that? I would say that maybe 10% of the time I would get an, uh, an email response. Now, with the startup we email the most powerful most successful founders the founders of venmo the ceos of paypal and they get right back to us and they jump on the phone and we have a 30 minute meeting that goes into an hour and a half long call and it's really so incredible and it's a testament to the the startup ecosystem that's how it works that how that's how it has to be the it's predicated among the people that have had success giving back to the upstarts and the companies that are just getting going. And that's what makes a strong ecosystem. They provide advice. They provide angel financing. And it's it, it's really cool. So I'm super grateful to be part of the startup world now.
2: Are you talking all the, the nerdy stuff that I dig? Because my, my my background's in the startup world, and uh, I just love hearing about all of that. So for those folks out there who are similar, they're like, ooh, I dig it. So I'm... um. Before we hit record, you were talking about how you and your wife did a wellness retreat in Arizona, and I know that the two of you all are expecting your first child soon. So you've got this you know, relationship, this role as a husband, this um, upcoming role as a father. You wear multiple hats in terms of uh, being the, an entrepreneur and the leader in your business and then working with this team for the app. So how the hell are you... Managing yourself within all that, like how are you maintaining your mental health, spiritual health, physical health, you know social health, emotional health with all the stuff that you've got going on, and then going into this new chapter with the kid I'm super curious about that
1: yeah it's it's kind of the question right how to balance it all, how to remain happy and keep my relationship with my wife strong while we're going through all of this, all of these changes. And it really, you know, Matthew, it really boils down to um, prioritizing and feeling what's right for me, what's right for my wife. And there's no... I don't think there's any great time to – there's no perfect time, I should say, to have a baby. I mean, we got a dog. There was never a perfect time to do that. You just you just do it. And that's kind of what we've done now. And as I'm saying, as I'm in the weeds of trying to build these businesses, it's definitely not what I pictured when I was a kid, right? I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like my wife where I've been imagining having a baby for my entire life, but I certainly imagined when I became a dad – as a, you know, growing up, that oh, I'll become a dad, and I'll be a high-powered business guy, and I'll have all this money. And I mean, I don't have any of those things yet. So it's my vision that I had when I was younger isn't quite playing out. And so that's that that I guess it's scary. You know, it's it's scary. It's like oh, I have so much uncertainty in my life, and now I'm bringing another life into this world. And is that going to be a detractor for me? Am I going to have to focus more time on, on my, it's, it's, I'm having a baby girl. Am I going to, is my daughter going to demand so much that I'm not going to be able to focus on, on my work? And, and so I think those, those thoughts are in my subconscious. They're in, they're in the back of my head, but really all that I think about is excitement and anticipation. I'm just so happy that, I'm going to have this blessing that my wife and I are going to share in this in this experience. And that's what I that's what I come back to is that I'm really just blessed and this is an incredible fortunate opportunity for both of us and I'm just excited about it. And as I stay present in those thoughts, the the fearful thoughts which we all have, which of course I do, I try I just try not to let those take hold really and get their grips into my brain that you know, my life, I don't have millions of dollars and I'm not, you know, obviously those things are scary, but that's how I try to maintain perspective and, and happiness every day.
2: So talk to me about how you do that, because, you know, I've I've felt so many of the things that you just expressed, you know, bringing a, a child into the world, in uncertainty with my career, with what I'm doing, not being in the financial situation that I felt that I needed to be in. And you know, we, we, we all understand that it's more powerful to be in a space of excitement, to be in a space of creation, to be in a, that proactive emotional and mental place, because that's where things get done, you know, things happen there, as opposed to in that fear, in that uncertainty, in that financial lack, and all of that. So we all get that, that you know, one's, one's uh, better for us than the other. How are you able, when that stuff creeps in? Because I like gotta imagine it, you know, probably creeps in every day. When it creeps in and you start to go down that path that you just, you know, is not the best path for you, how do you reverse and shift and get back into into your alignment? Yeah. Like, talk to me about the specific thing. Is it a a mantra? Is it like, do you remind yourself? What do you specifically do to get into your power?
1: Sure. I think my routine, my daily routine helps a lot with it. I start my day off with a cup of coffee and that's kind of a meditative process of making this coffee and then sitting in the same chair and drinking it and and reading these couple of newsletter emails that I get. And I start my morning off like that every morning and I do some stretching and some breathing and, and fine. So like my first 30 minutes to an hour of the day is, is pretty much the same every morning. I I wake up early. I wake up at 6:30. So from 6:30 to 7:30 I'm making coffee and stretching and reading some newsletter emails to um and as I come out of that I'm feeling energized and and good and not I don't feel a lack of control. You know, I used to Obviously, we're both in the podcasting space. I used to feel like I have to listen to as many podcasts as I possibly could. And I would start my day off listening to podcasts at one and a half speed or sometimes two times speed. And I'd crush three, four, five podcasts in the morning. And I'd drive to work and I'd be on a coffee, caffeine buzz. And I felt awful. I was like overwhelmed. I'd get to work and I'd be snapping at people. And I was like, oh, I have so much to do. I need to listen to more podcasts. I need to send more emails and read more emails. And that's no way to start the day. Uh, And on those days, then later in the day when the caffeine would wear off, I'd be anxious that I wasn't doing enough.
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome
1: to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: You know, we all only have 24 hours in the day. There's only so much we can all do. My my downside is that, yeah, I, I sometimes will worry about the future. Am I on the right path? Am I doing what's right? I don't necessarily worry or look in the past so much and think that I made the wrong choices or right choices or whatever. I'm comfortable with that. But sometimes I I get uncomfortable and I think about the future and are things going correctly. And that morning routine brings me back. And I think about taking a few breaths, coming back to the task at hand, coming back to that yes, I do believe that this is the right path. And yes, this is hard, but nothing good ever comes easy. And so I think that having a routine, whether it's a daily routine, a morning routine, whatever, that that provides me a lot of benefit.
2: Oh, I get that. Yeah. It's like when you get into those funky spots, you know, the things that you can do to pull yourself out because you've been doing them that, you know, you've instilled them as habits. I like that. Cool. So I want to circle back to the rejection therapy stuff because that's what got me excited to chat with you in the first place. So we've talked about, I guess, what it is and some of the big benefits. Um, I want to hear about like some of the exact things you did. So what was the first thing that you decided to go do and see if you could get rejected?
1: I think it was a high five. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've asked for so many things. Let me, Matthew, let me quickly go through how it works so that your listeners can simply do this.
2: Yeah, you awesome. Know,
1: the path of rejection therapy, it can last as long as you want. I would say to try to do it for 30 days. Really, you're, you have one goal, and that's to seek out a rejection at least once every day for 30 days. And as I was talking about before, your confidence level will be peaking after Day seven. From day seven until day 30, you will be riding high. You will have no problem, you know, asking someone for a high five, asking someone for a stick of gum, asking that cute guy or girl in a bar to go out on a date with you. Whatever it is, those things all start to seem really straightforward and really simple. So that's it. Seek out rejection every day for 30 days. Once you stop doing it, I'm going to tell you your confidence starts to come down again. Like you have to, <laughs> even for me, like you have to keep this up now. I haven't done it in a while. And, and like, we'll be at a restaurant and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to get a free dessert here. Like, should I ask for a free dessert? Oh, you know, what if he says no? But when I was in it, when I was in my rejection therapy, Oh, I wouldn't, you're not, you not you do not even think twice about doing something like that. So I That's mentioned funny. the, yeah, I mentioned the one side effect that you start to see people in a really positive light. You know, I, I asked, Airplane pilots, if I could come up and see the cockpit. I asked uh, our waiters at restaurants if I could go back and you know see where they cook the steaks or where they age the steaks. I asked to cut people in you know two-hour-long lines for a pop-up uh, meatball shop, uh, and people want to help you. That's that's the the cool part. The other the other cool thing is besides the confidence and seeing the world in a really positive light, is that you get a great amount of humility because think about it, I'll give the example of asking asking a question in class. So when I was in business school and you know, you're sitting around with all your peers and you want to ask a question. So this is how everyone does it. They, they come up with a question they think is smart. They rehearse it about 20 times in their head. They build up the confidence to raise their hand and they get called on and then you ask this question or give this statement or whatever it is. And Matthew... Think back in class, can you ever remember anyone else's question? Can you ever remember someone asking a stupid question? And you probably can't because the answer is that everyone's really too concerned with themselves to realize that someone else asked a silly question or someone else did something weird or someone else asked them to borrow a dollar. Like everyone is so caught up in ourselves, how our hair looks, how people perceive us, how how anything with you is. That you start to realize that nobody no one cares, like no one cares, you ask the question, no one cares you ask them for a discount on your lunch, like no one ca- no one cares, so you start to realize, wow, the world is not all about me, and it's kind of cool, so you get this confidence, you get this humility and, and and it's a pretty powerful way to go through life
2: that's super cool. I love the way that you broke it down and kind of listed some of the the things that you've done and then some of the benefits so uh what was the biggest reaction if you can remember back like what was the biggest reaction you got from somebody
1: um, so i i asked um I asked a teacher for uh, a different grade on my, on one of my, I mean, I told you in business school grades really don't matter. So I don't, I was probably the only person ever to ask this for in business school, but the teacher raised my grade on a, on a, on a paper. Um, (laughs) That's great. But, but, but that's the thing. Like you start off asking for really, really straightforward, simple things. Like I'm talking about hugs or take a pic, take a selfie with you or whatever. And you end up being able to ask for promotions at work or raises at work or you know, someone to go on a date with you. So you build up to asking for important things just by asking for very, very basic things. And, and it's a pretty seamless transition.
2: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I totally get why that would happen. Now, have you uh, heard of the website and I guess the card game called Rejection Therapy?
1: Yeah, there's, you know, there's have there been some podcasts that I've talked about it, which is where I originally learned about it. Yeah. I guess there's a card game. There's a, there's a few YouTube videos, but there's not much, you know, you would think for something that's so easy and, and so powerful, there would be a lot more on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting 30 days. You know, if, 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 if nothing else, it'll put you outside of your comfort zone and it'll give you the confidence that you can try and do new things.
2: And I love all of that. I think that you know, I can relate with being that in that space where your confidence is kind of shook and you're feeling low and feeling down and and all of that. And I'll be honest, man, the idea of of doing some of that stuff totally uh, freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> and even though, like in in certain ways, I've 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 employed some of those strategies. Um, for example, with this podcast interviewing people, I was super scared to interview people, so I just wanted to desensitize myself to that fear. So I interviewed a bunch of folks, and it works. You know, it, it totally, totally works. And so uh, for you listening out there, um, if you are interested in, in checking out this website, the one that I've I found, it is rejectiontherapy.com. And check out the little card game. Like, I think the guy who created it, uh, he was feeling, I think he was, he went through some sort of breakup and kind of alienated himself from his social life and then was in this funk and didn't know how to get out of it and kind of said, what's the worst that could happen? And then he just decided to go and see if he could get rejected and created this game. And there's TED Talks on, and I'll put links and all that good stuff in the show notes. But I, I love it. I love the concept, and uh, it was super cool to be able to talk to you to kind of hear your experience with it all.
1: Yeah, Matthew, this was very fun. Thanks so much for having me on.
2: Cool, man. Well, you mentioned you have a podcast. So tell us about your podcast, and if somebody wanted to ask you questions about you know, this rejection therapy, how to get started, what you did. Um, where can they learn about the show and where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, so my podcast is called Moving Up. And basically I speak with business leaders about the human story of their careers, the ups, the downs, how they got to where they are, the failures. I've spoken Last week I spoke with one of the five co-founders of Facebook. I talked with the CEO of Hulu and tons of big time venture capitalists. And Matthew, I can tell you that the main takeaway in speaking with all these immensely successful people is that no one had any grand plan for their career. They just woke up. They didn't know what they were doing, but they put one foot in front of the other and they just started doing things. They put themselves out in the world. They applied themselves and really incredible things happened. So we have those kind of candid, cool stories. And uh, anyone who's interested in finding out more, Alex at com. That's where the podcast lives too, wallstreetoasis.com. And uh, yeah, I'd love it if you check it out.
2: Very cool. And I'll throw some links on the website for all this. And man, that, those takeaways that you got from interviewing those folks, that's like frustratingly simple stuff. You know, like nobody had a grand plan and a big strategy because I know I look for the grand plan and the big strategy, I want to hear, hey, if you do this, that, and then that, you're going to have these types of results. It's just sort of a rinse and repeat. But the fact that the people that you're talking to, they're like, no, we just got up and we just kept moving forward and we had some faith and we just believed in ourselves. Like, frustratingly simple. And uh, I think that's pretty cool.
1: That's it, Matthew. I mean, I had the guy who founded Google Voice and he had no idea about telephony, no idea, didn't know how to code but he found someone that knew how to code. You just, you just don't take no for an answer. You just go out there and, and make things happen. And I think rejection therapy is the first step for that.
2: Heck yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Alex, I truly appreciate you hanging out with me and just chatting and, and uh, introducing this new idea that I know a lot of listeners are going to be able to use to uh, really level up their lives. So thank you, man.
1: Thank you, Matthew. This was so much fun talking with you.
2: Quick note about the Having It All podcast.